This is my 46th New Year, uh, and, and I'll be honest, I've not been good at keeping uh, New Year's resolutions. I'm great at making them, uh, but I'm not real good at keeping them. You know you're not good at keeping resolutions whenever you were high-fiving somebody because it's January 3rd and you're still on track, and, uh, but uh, I'm grateful for that. Uh, in the past years, I've resolved to quit drinking Diet Mountain Dew. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a Diet Mountain Dew addict. Uh, we called it Baptist Crack at my last church. Uh, it was bad. I made a resolution that I was going to quit drinking Diet Mountain Dew. I, about 60 days I quit. Went through the headaches and the withdrawal and all that kind of stuff. And then I started back up, and by the end of the year, truth is, they sent me a T-shirt because I collected so many tabs. Uh, I resolved one year that I was going to get up and run early every morning. Well, I got up every morning, and instead of running, I went out to eat. Uh, I... Uh, I made uh, resolutions to lose weight each year, and instead I've ended up buying bigger clothes. And that's kind of where resolutions have gone uh, for me. Uh, and, you know, how many of y'all are like that? It's just a struggle. You want to change, but, yeah, it's, it's just hard. How do we get beyond that? How do we break the cycle that always ends up taking us where we don't want to be? You know, today I want us to think about breaking the cycle of failure. Uh, but before we get there, how many of you are good with directions? You're really good with directions. How many of you can get lost in your own home? Okay, all right, probably more of those folks. I have to admit, I'm pretty good with directions. I kind of have this internal compass. You could put me in the middle of the woods at night, blindfold me, spin me around, and take it off, and I could find my way out, uh, and I know which way's north. It's just God's given me that. Don't understand, but one day, I guess it's been about a year and a half ago, we were at a little town called Montgomery, Indiana, Anybody know Montgomery, Indiana? Yeah, Montgomery, Indiana. Bar Reeve High School's there. My daughter plays volleyball. They were having a volleyball tournament there. And Bar Reeve is uh, the school there has kind of an elementary school, a middle school, and a high school all connected. And so it's like this maze trying to find your way around of it, of hallways. And there's the one hallway that connects each building, you know, and then you kind of find your way through. Well, we were playing in an auxiliary gym, which I guess was in the middle school gym, and they, people were playing in different places. Well, we got a phone call, and, and there were signs showing you where you were supposed to be. Well, I, I got a phone call late in the day, and I went out to take the phone call, and I was kind of caught up in the phone call, and you know how you do when you're caught up in the phone call. You're wandering around, and I wandered down some hallways, and I didn't. It was kind of a private thing. Somebody was calling for advice, and I went down to try to get along, and I'd wandered down so many hallways, I had no idea where I was at. And my daughter was supposed to play like in five minutes, and I didn't know how to find my way back. And this was a pretty big, you imagine three schools on the wrong end of this. I was really wanting to find my way back, but no man can admit that they're lost. And so I just kept walking and kept trying to find my way out. Sooner or later, I'm going to figure out where I'm at. I never did. Finally, I broke down and asked a 10-year-old girl, because she probably wouldn't know that I wasn't supposed to be lost. I asked her how to get me back. She said, would you like to take me to take you there? I said, uh-huh. And so she took me to watch my daughter's ball game. But how many of you struggle with, with, with that? Let, let me... Let me tell you some truths about being lost. People, people who are lost never get lost on purpose. None of us wake up in the morning saying, you know what, I've got a great idea for what to do today. I'm going to get in my car, and I'm going to drive to a place that I don't know, and I'm going to turn down streets that I've never been on, and I'm going to keep driving until I can't find my way home. Nobody does that. People never get lost on purpose. Another thing that I've found is when you get lost, you're lost before you know you're lost right? I mean, that's just the truth. You know, you're, you're, you're in your car, you're driving with confidence, your wife looks over at you and says, honey, do you know where you're at? Oh yeah, honey, I just got to go down here and turn right. You go down there and turn right, and now you know you're lost. 
But you were lost before you made that right turn. We are lost oftentimes before we know it happens. A third thing that I found is, and this is a truth that we don't always understand, is the road you're on always leads to where it goes. Now that's pretty deep and profound. But, but you always end up where the road you're on takes you, right? Somebody who's from that area knows where that road goes. Somebody who's driven that road a thousand times, they know exactly where you're going to end up. But because you don't know where you're going, you think you're going to end up somewhere completely different. The truth is, the road you're all on always leads to that same place. Now, as obvious as this is to ge- geography, the same uh, principle applies to all of life. Andy Stanley, a few years ago, I guess it's been about ten years ago now, maybe seven or eight, wrote a book called The Path Principle. It's a good book. Uh, and and he, he describes this in this catchy kind of way. Direction determines destination. You got that? You want to know where you want to end up in life? Well, you got to think about what direction you're heading. Uh, for instance... Uh, we're just coming off of uh, Christmas break, so that means all of us are ready for winter break. You know, teachers, you're going to go back to school in two days, and you're going to be ready for a break in three. And when they, they came up a few years ago. I don't even know if they still have it now or not. Winter break, where they give you like Thursday, Friday, and a weekend. Imagine you've just had it in winter break, and let's just imagine that it ever snows in Burlington. And let's say it snows here, it's freezing, you're fed up with the cold, you're fed up with the kids, you want to get away, and you decide, man, I've got to get to a beach somewhere. So you're going to drive to Florida, and you're going to get on the beach, and you're ready, and you pack your sunscreen, you pack your clothes, you shove your kids in the car with your stuff, and you go out to I-75, and you turn north. I promise you. If you get on I-75 North, you will never end up in Florida. Because I-75 North doesn't head to Florida. Now that makes sense. Now that was worth coming for today. You didn't know that. That's the truth. That's where I-75 North, it heads to somewhere. (laughs) North. Anyhow. (laughs) But, But you know it won't get you to Florida. Now we know this in hiking. We know this in driving. But in other areas of life, there's this complete disconnect. This applies to our, our, our financial path. There are, there, there's a pathway to financial success. There's a pathway to getting out of debt. There's a pathway to financial freedom. But borrowing more and, and loading up your credit card's not it. There is a, 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 this p- principle applies to marriage. There's a way to have a happy marriage. There's a way to have a healthy marriage. But there are other paths that lead to destruction of marriages. In your professional path, you can get ahead, you can succeed, and there are ways that you can do that. But then there's other ways that always lead to your demise. Your health, dating, in fact, every area of life, this is true. Whatever path you're on will determine where you end up. Now, this principle, this, that we're talking about today, it applies not just to every area of life, but to every one of our lives. You don't get to opt out on this. You are uniquely made. God knows you. You are special, but I promise this principle governs your life. What road you get on will determine where you end up. Now, this is huge because there's this huge disconnect in our life. We somehow think that our, our intentions, our hopes, our dreams... Our education, 
are, will lead us to, to where we're going to go. Your decisions will determine where you go. Not your hopes, not your intentions, and not your dreams, but your decisions. And my concern is there's this huge gulf between what we do and where we want to end up. Every day, I hear people say stuff like, man, this is not what I planned for my life. Or people hit 30 or, or 40 or getting closer to 50 and you know their dreams aren't coming true or their kids aren't turning out like they hoped and they wake up one day and they're not happy with the party life and you listen to them and it's easy for you to see they're broken and, and you know they're not where they want to be but as you hear them tell their story, your mind is like about to explode and you say, where else did you think you were going to end up? You ever talk to somebody like that? I mean, this is where this path leads all the time. You, you got on this path, and, and, and what, what else did you expect? You know, there's this misconception in our society, and that is we think intentions trump decisions. Well, I didn't intend for it to turn out this way. I didn't intend for it to go this way. Path trumps intention every time. Lost people are victims of the principle of the path, and you'll always end up where the path you're on takes you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 7. Now, I want to make this the year of the Bible. I put the scriptures on the screen because I want you to understand where I'm getting what I'm getting from, but I want you to check me out and follow along. Next week when you come, bring your Bible. Follow along. Make sure I'm telling you the truth. I also want to challenge you this year, Burlington Baptist Church, to make a daily time with God a priority. And I want to challenge you, at least for the next 31 days, to spend time in Proverbs. I've been doing this for years and years and years and years. I wake up, and whatever day of the month it is, I read that chapter of Proverbs. Today is January 3rd, so I would read Proverbs 3. Sharp, Proverbs 3. Tomorrow is January 4th. I'm going to read Proverbs 4. January 5th, and guess what? Oh, well, but what about... Proverbs 1 and 2. Well, February's got a 1 and 2. When you get to February 1, you just start over. You might say, yeah, but every month doesn't have 31 days. Well, Proverbs 31 talks about the godly woman, and I figure I can skip that at least every other month. But anyhow, you read what... I, I challenge you to read from Proverbs every day. Uh, I'm going to preach for the next few weeks out of the book of Proverbs, and I encourage you to do that. But today we're in Proverbs chapter 7. And in Proverbs chapter 7, we find a man who's on a particular path. Um, and, and this path that he is on is sexual immorality. Now, you might immediately say, check out and say, I'm 80 years old and the days of my sexual immorality are over. Well, this path principle applies to every area of life. Relationships, marriage, parenting, finances, every area of life. Uh, so don't check out just because you might say this doesn't apply. Uh, in Proverbs 7, we find Solomon writing a proverb. Solomon was one of the wisest men to ever live, depending on the season of life that you find him in. Uh, I say that because Solomon made some really stupid decisions, and he would say he made stupid decisions, but this is a good season in his life. Things are better. He's on the other end of that. He's older and wiser now. And the context of this section of Proverbs 7... Solomon is in a second story window. 
and he's looking out into the street, and his window watches a path, and he sees a young man who's strolling down the street, and this section describes Solomon's interaction, sometimes in his head, sometimes with his words, to this young man. So let's, let, let, let's pick up here. It says, At the window of my house, I looked through my lattice. And Solomon's going to see, like, a train wreck coming. Have you ever been there? You've seen a wreck before it was about to happen? You saw it. Maybe other people saw it, but that person didn't see it. Well, Solomon is seeing this, and he, he, he sees this wreck about to happen. He saw among the inexperienced, I noticed among the youths, a young man lacking sense. Now, that is a universal principle right there. You can underline that in your Bible. All young people lack sense. Now, I'm not trying to get on young people. It's just the fact. Common sense comes from time and experience. It just does. Young people like that. That's the reason parents come down on you so hard, teenagers, uh, young adults, sometimes. is because you don't have the perspective they have. You know, and I know you want to say to your parents, you think I don't have sense, look at what you're wearing. I know that's what you want to say, but they have time and experience that you don't have. And Solomon looks at this young guy who doesn't have judgment, and he, he sees him crossing the street near her corner. Another character is introduced. He strolls down the road to her house at twilight in the evening in the dark of the night. Now, this is pretty easy to see where this is going. It doesn't take a a rocket scientist. You know, here, here's this kid who knows who this woman is, and the sun's going down, and in the back of his mind, sun going down, woman's out there, I know where she lives. In the back of his mind, we can hear the soundtrack of Born to be Wild playing. I mean, you know, you can hear it, you know. Solomon's looking, and he hears another soundtrack. He hears the theme song to Jaws playing because he knows that danger is lurking around the corner. Now, there's this huge contrast between what this kid thinks is going to happen and what older, wiser Solomon thinks. You see, the kid thinks this is just an event. Man, I'm going to go have the time of my life. And Solomon understands, no, you're going to influence the rest of your life. Before we go any farther, do y'all realize that character is made in the smallest of decisions and it's made one decision at a time? You know, you don't wake up one morning and say, man, I want to be a person of character and then never act upon that and become a person of character. Character is developed little decision after little decision, one step at a time. And it always will be. This kid thinks, man, I'm just doing this one little thing, but what I really want out of my life is this over here. He thinks this is just an event, but he's disconnecting this from the way that it's going to influence his life. Then listen to verse 10. A woman, guess who that is? She came out to meet him, dressed like a prostitute, and she has a hidden agenda. She's loud and defiant. Her feet do not stay at home. And now, in the Street, now in the square, she lurks at every corner. And then they meet. She grabs him and she kisses him and she brazenly says to him, I've made fellowship offerings. Now that sounds like a good religious person. 
But, you know, fellowship offerings maybe to this kid says she has money to make this on her own, but what it's really saying is she was disconnected from God. I wonder why. And now she's made her offerings, and her sin bucket has been poured out, and she's ready to fill it back up again. By the way, if that's your theology, that, man, I'll just go do what I want, and I'll go back to church, and I'll just confess, and it'll be all right. And Pre-planned sin happens in our life. Pre-planned confession never does. Because you're not really sorry about your sin. If you run out there and just say, oh, it's all right, I'll just go back to church on Sunday and it'll all be good. Some of you were raised in traditions to where you do wrong and you go to penance, you do wrong and you just go, you go say, I, I played golf with a guy in college and we were playing and he was from a different tradition than I'm from and he was going to go out and party and I said, man, you said you're a believer. And he said, yeah, but I'm just going to go and talk to my preacher or priest. And he told me that if I say a few prayers, then I will be fine. I said, okay. I said, what are you doing next weekend? I'm going out again. Here's this woman. She's made her fellowship offerings, but she didn't do it to be right with God. She made her fellowship offerings just so that she could go out and do whatever she wanted to do again. Next verse. So I came out to meet you, to search for you, and I found you. Now, here's how we read that. I come out to meet you, I search for you, and I found you. Here's how this young man heard that. I came out to meet you. I was searching for you, and I found you. You're the one. You, I've been looking for you. She was lurking on every corner. She was the prostitute. But he hears, this is for me. This is going to make me better. You know, you can imagine this young kid's ego. I'm so special. I'm the man of her dreams. This is the stuff that songs are made of and Lifetime movies are made of. It's going to be the best thing ever. And then she says in verse 16, I spread coverings on my bed, richly colored linen from Egypt. Verse 17 says, I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us drink deeply of lovemaking until morning. Let us feast on each other's love. And you can hear this young man say, somebody pinch me. This is better than I thought it was going to be. And then verse 19, she says, and my husband isn't home. And the young man says, well, I was kind of assuming that. And then the rest of verse 19, he goes on a long journey. Oh, it's getting better all the time. And then verse 20, he took his purse filled with money, and maybe that's why there's a problem with this woman at home. But anyhow, he took his purse filled with money, and he will not be home till the full moon. Come back tomorrow. Move in. Verse 21, and he follows her. She seduces him with persistent pleading. She lures him with flattering talk, and he follows her like a moth drawn to a flame this is a dream come true for the young man but the old man says now you're like an ox going to slaughter you're you're like a deer trapped in a noose you're like a bird that's caught in a snare you, you thought this was going to be a time of your life but this is going to 
going to ruin you. And you can almost hear the young man's response. Solomon, you're like my dad looking out the window. You're like my mom always raining on my parade. Get out, get out, get out. That's what you You can hear this young man. Leave me alone. Listen to the next verse. Verse 24. He, he turns to us. And he says, now sons. He's to us now. Listen to me. Listen to me. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Don't let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't stray to her paths. This is not an event. Did you notice the plural there? Paths. This is not a one-time thing. This is a plural thing. Don't stray there. Verse 26. For she has brought many down to death, and her victims are countless. This is not unique, but I've never felt this way. But a lot of other people have. But this is special. This is unique. She's my soulmate. She's been lots of men's soulmate. It's so common it's and predictable, it's almost laughable. And then verse 27, listen to what he says. Her house is on the road to Sheol or death, ascending to the chambers of death. You remember what Jesus said about the pathway to hell? Not Nick, Jesus. You remember what Jesus said about the pathway to hell? It is broad, it's wide, and it leads to destruction. Sound familiar? It's almost like Jesus knew what the writer of Proverbs said. The path is wide. Now there's some lessons I want you to get today. Number one. The destination of every decision is predetermined. Every path has a predetermined destination. The path of impurity has a destination. Ladies wonder why they get used and every relationship ends up the same. Well, that's where the path of sex before marriage leads. It just is. That's why God tells us to flee from fornication and to avoid sexual immorality. The path of greed has a destination. Empty relationships. You try to buy friends, you'll just find yourself lonely. The path of debt has a destination. Got to have now, can't live without it. Leads to foreclosures and bad credit and embarrassment and a lifestyle other than God intended. The path of adultery has a destination. Men can't seem to figure out why their adult kids never want to come around. Why they're always so distant. Why they don't bring the grandkids over. Why they can't forgive and move on. That's because that's where the path of adultery always leads. The path of purity, the path of love, the path of mercy leads to peace and joy and laying your head down at night and everything's okay. And isn't that where you want to live? Isn't that where you want to be? Lesson number two. Desires do not determine outcomes. Pathways do. The path we are on determines our outcome, not our intentions. And we ignore this in life. I want God to bless me financially, so I'm not going to give him anything. I want to meet a great Christian guy who's really got his act together, so I'm going to go out with whoever asks me if he's cute. I want a great sex life once I'm married, so I'm going to practice with people I date until then. I, I, I want my kids to respect me, so I'm going to fool around on their mom. I want my kids to stay away from alcohol, so I'm going, to I'm going to drink, but responsibly. I want to grow old and invest in my grandchildren, so I'm going to neglect my health. 
I want my children to be brought up with the same Christian values I had, so we're going to go to the lake most Sundays. I want to lose weight, so supersize that, would you? I want to have a great relationship with my husband, so I'm going to make my children a priority over him. I don't want to live with financial pressure, so I'm going to live way beyond my means. I want to support some charity, so I'm going to spend all my money on me. I want to know God, so I'm not going to read my Bible. There's such a disconnect between what we say we want and what we do. And here's the rub, and this is what makes it so hard for me to preach this message. I know that ignoring predetermined outcomes leads to heartache. It does. It was tough for me to think about. I didn't plan to preach this message. The guys know this, the ladies in the office. I'd planned to do something completely different. I was going to do New You, New Year. Easy, good, awesome, frilly, woohoo. I didn't want to preach this message because I know what this message does. This message points out the hardships that come with our bad decisions. And the problem is, is that intro video, messed up, messed up, messed up, messed up, it's all of us. We've all messed up, and we've all fallen short, and we all live with our mess, and we've all dealt with our heartache. You know, I was a preacher when I was 20 years old, and you would think that, boy, you know, I was called to preach when I was 16 years old, and it probably did save my mom some heartache, to be honest with you. But I still know the, I, I still understand what it means to get on the wrong path. As I was preparing this message, I was thinking about my kids are 17 and a half and 14 years old. And I, I love my kids. I've always loved my kids. I, I mean, they know I love them. I tell them I love them. We spend time together. But for the first 12 years of my youngest daughter's life and 12 years of my oldest daughter's life, the formative ones, Daddy spent 80 hours a week at church, at least. And then while I was home, I was still thinking about church. You know, now I see them getting older. And I walked down a path, investing in what I thought was urgent, neglecting what I know is important. Now, do my kids love Jesus? Yeah, I thank the Lord. Sometimes I wonder if they like me. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We got a great relationship. It's not what I wish. What I, you know what I want them to see? I want them to see that, man, my relationship with you is more important to God than how well people think I preach. And my relationship with you is more important to God than how big our church gets. I don't know what heartache you have when you think about paths that you've been on and you're in a place that you wish you hadn't been, but I know it comes. It comes every time. Heartache always comes. That's why, listen to what the author of Proverbs says. He says, don't let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't fall in love with money. Don't fall in love with the prostitute. Don't fall in love with looking good in front of others. Don't fall in love with the church being the biggest in town. Don't fall in love with, I got to have it my way. You know, don't fall in love with her ways because they lead to the same place that they always lead, and that's destruction. Ignoring the path principle will cause you so much heartache. And why would anybody ignore it? I mean, honestly, why would a young dad 
And this is confession time here, but why would a young dad spend 80 hours, go on three mission trips in a year? Why would a young dad do that? Well, I was working for God, and I was. But there was a part of it that, man, I want to be successful. Guys, there's always something on the path that you're on that seems like a quick fix or a thrill in the moment. It looks like easy street, but it's a dead-end road. God is... He's so gracious, though. And He sends people in our lives saying, are you headed in the right direction? That's why we should listen to God, to the preacher, to our Sunday school, small group leaders, to strong believers. If it had been my mama, she wouldn't have been looking from a window. She would have been yelling from a window. What are you doing on that path? This is not a date. It's not a moment. It's not an event. It's not just a business deal. It's a path. We need to listen to godly counselors. And I would say to you, if you don't get anything else from my sermon, please hear this. When you're making a decision, listen to godly counselors who are not attached to your decision. Don't listen to people who have something to gain by giving you certain advice. Don't ask your realtor, is this a good house? You know, don't ask your insurance agent, should I buy the bigger policy? You know, if you're struggling in your marriage and you're thinking about divorce, don't take advice from the divorcee who's down at the office who's been divorced six times and who says, yeah, it's great. <laughs> don't do that. Listen to someone who does Misery loves company. Listen to someone who doesn't have a dog in the fight. You know, if you're concerned about, should I go to this party or not? You probably shouldn't ask the 15-year-old who's dependent upon you for a ride. You know? If you're looking at, should I get this loan, maybe you shouldn't ask the person at the cash today place. Y'all understand the principle? Listen to godly counselors who are only wanting you to do what's good for you, who don't have anything to gain. Nothing to gain in relationship, nothing to gain to help them personally, to make them look better, listen to godly counselors who point you to the Word and want what's best for you. Listen, God, if you're a believer here today in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has invested His Holy Spirit in you. The Holy Spirit will always do His job and tell you what's good for you, what's right, and what will bring glory to God and ultimately make your life filled with peace and joy. He will always tell you the right way. Do not listen to people who will try to steer you away from that voice that you know inside is telling you the truth. Now, I'm getting ready to give you the last point, but before I do, don't start putting your papers away or God will judge you harshly. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> and I won't pray for that. But I got a little bit more to say. If you'll give me three, four more minutes, I'll be completely done. And we'll... But I know what happens. I tell you the last thing and you start preparing to eat like it's not going to be there later. You know, it is New Year's. You need to lose some weight. Anyhow, all right, here we go. <laughs> I'm joking. I need to lose some weight. <laughs> all right, here's the last point. 
it may be too late to get out of your mess. I'm not going to give any grand illusions like if you call out to Jesus, you will always be delivered from the mess you're in. That's not true. God will always put your feet on the rock. He will pick you up, but you might have some scars from what you've gone through. You might live with some of the baggage that you have created. That, that's true. But he will pick you up. And here's the good news. It's never too late to get on the right path. See, if you want to go to Florida and you get on I-75 and you go to the middle of nowhere, Michigan, and the snow you thought was bad in Burlington is neck deep, you might have to drive a while before you get out of that snow, but there is a direction that leads you out of it. I know from experience that I'm not going to fix things overnight. With, I want to be that influencing dad, the cool dad, that they want the kids to come over to the house. They, kids don't come over to our house because I have rules. Kids don't come over to our house because dad will say, well, you need to go to bed. It's... 10.30, you got to get up at 6 in the morning. We don't care, Dad. We're not 80 like you. You know, I, I want to be the cool dad where everything, you know, I want to be that dad. I understand that's probably not going to happen overnight. I might not ever be the cool dad. I want to be the loving dad where they, when they hear me say, hey, this is best for you, they really believe it's best instead of you're just giving us rules. I was beating myself up pretty bad last week when I was preparing this message. And the Lord spoke to me. I, I, I don't say that likely. I don't like when people say that because, you know, you flip the TV channel three times and you hear the Lord speaking to three different people different ways. That's why I always point you back to the Bible, by the way, because we know what the Bible says. But this week the Lord spoke to me about my kids. And he said, Nick, quit trying to fix them and just love them. Quit trying to fix them. And just love them. Are there probably going to be some bumps in the road? Probably. But here's what I heard. When he kind of just spoke that to me, I heard him saying, that's how I do you. I just love you to what's right. I love you to what's good. I love you to what's true. I love you to what is helpful. I love you to what will bless you. Sometimes as dad, I want to fix and control and demand to what is right and good. Y'all get where I'm going with this? Now, how does this translate to your life? If the Lord loves me enough to give me a chance to just love my kids, don't you think he loves you enough to give you a chance to whatever path you need to be on? To start over, to head in the right direction? Sure he does. Morning by morning, new mercy I see. I hope you'll see it this year too. Get on the right path. If you're in a mess, which we all are prone to do, confess your mess, head toward the Lord, and follow him. Because what path you get on, get on will determine where you end up. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would use these words. Lord, I pray that you will 
Help us, Lord. Help us to follow in the ways that the Bible teaches and your spirit guides. Forgive us when we fail, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.